This is the PKD Black Box, episode 16. This week's episode is brought to you by Supershowapproved.com. At Supershowapproved.com, a website created by Dave DeWanch and a handful of creators who intend to be at the 2010 Comic Geek Speak Super Show, Supershowapproved.com celebrates Comic Geek Speak in its own way by spotlighting the creators brought together by the Comic Geek Speak podcast. You can check out the site at Supershowapproved.com. Once again, that's Supershowapproved.com. Welcome back to the PKD Black Box. I'm your host, Sean Pryor, a.k.a. Stan Leroy. Today we got a big show for you. Um, Check it out. This is what we're doing. First off, I have a one-on-one interview with uh, creator and artist Andy Jewett. Um, You can find his works at andyjewett.com. That's Jewett spelled J-E-W-E-T-T. We talk about um, his uh, comic Sicko, uh, what happened to create uh, such a comic, as well as some other things that he's working on and you know, we get in depth on that. And after that interview finishes, um, co-host John Carroll returns along with special guest Julian Lytle. He is the creator, uh, writer and artist of the webcomic Ants, uh, currently just ablaze on the Internet at this time. And we talk about some trendy stuff like the iP- iPad, um, the Marvel Digital Comics. Uh, we talk about the state of urban music, uh, specifically R&B and hip hop. Um, the problems with auto-tune, and so much more. So please stick around and enjoy the show. But before we get things kicked off, I got a couple announcements. Now, as many of you are well aware by now, in less than three weeks, the Comic Geek Speak Super Show uh, will be around. And for those who don't know, that is a little mini convention that has close to between 80 to 100 artists, comic vendors and whatnot. It's a great show. It's very people friendly. It's very quaint. Um, You know, don't get it twisted and think that it's just a weak little local convention because it's not. It's it's the real deal. It's a lovely, lovely show in Reading, Pennsylvania. You can get more information about it on um, cgssupershow.com as well as supershowapproved.com. Um, PKD Media will be there. We will have a major presence at the CGS Super Show. We will have an area where myself, I'll be selling some of our newest books. We have two trade paperbacks, The Buddy Cop, action adventure book mercury and the murd volume one collateral damages uh, featuring sequential artwork by chad ciccone and dave dewanch pinups by various artists um, 132 plus pages of six issues worth of stories pinups and bios and all that good stuff um, retail price 12.99 super show price 9.99 after that we will also have agents of cult Volume 1, which is an action-adventure sci-fi book. Imagine taking parts of G.I. Joe and maybe parts of Tomb Raider. Um, the The comic also has the um, backup stories of Black's Danger in Space, which is kind of like a mixture between Buck Rogers, Flash Gordon, uh, stuff from, you know, sci-fi stuff from the, from my childhood that I enjoyed, but just with, with my spin on it. Um, all sequential artwork in that book is by Andrew Charpar, 72 pages, 
black and white retails for $9.99. We're selling at Super Show for $6.99. You buy either of those books, you get a free official soundtrack for each book. I've composed music for both comics, all original music composed by me. You will get that CD for free. That's normally like a five, five to six dollar value for free. So hey, you're doing good there. Now, but I just won't be there representing. Uh, PKD Media will also have a slew of artists in our area. A lot of these people have helped us, you know, get to the point where we are right now as we try to continue to grow and prosper. Artist Andrew Charpar, artist Julian Lytle, who I just mentioned earlier, uh, Jim Miller, aka Big Jim, uh, who has been a storyboard artist for Cartoon Networks, uh, Ed Ed Nettie, um, Bill Blankenship, uh, Chad Ciccone, who I also mentioned earlier, Dean Stahl. Uh, Harold Jennett, who um, has provided artwork for the webcomic Mimes, and we're trying to collaborate on some stuff too. You can also peep him on his artwork and his writings in Geek Syndicate, the webcomic. Um, Dave Kraft, who is working on a book for writer Adam Umack for, for an um, original graphic novel that we're trying to publish on the PKD Media side, possibly later this year. Oh, I forgot to mention, uh, Andrew Charpar also has a comic called Tales of the Cornerstone. My bad, my bad. And also we will have Donnie Salvo, a fellow co-host. Uh, he will have a slew of long boxes there selling 50-cent comics and whatnot. Trust me, our area is going to be jumping off. We will also have raffles. We'll be raffling off artwork. Artists will be doing sketches, just so you know. Uh, but we will be raffling off certain pieces of artwork. I'll have plenty of things to raffle away as we try to raise money for PKD Media so we can actually have some type of comics budget because we have no budget. <laughs> but I really, really hope that you enjoy what we, you know, what we try and do at the show and just enjoy the show in general. Everybody and their mama's going to be there. Um, Walt and Louise Simonson's going to be there. Lee Weeks is going to be there. Katie Cook, David Peterson, Mike Norton, Jamal Eigel. <laughs> the the list is endless. Dave Wachter, um, Andy Jewett. Trust me, please believe you have to be there. Uh, Jamie Fick, Jamie Fickus. Yo, it's it's massive. You got to be there. You'll have a good time. Please believe. Uh, CGS Super Show, March twenty seventh and March twenty eighth. One last announcement. Um, last Friday. The Carol Chronicles Episode 1 made its debut. That is a spinoff podcast from the PKD Black Box. Um, John Carroll will be doing this on a bi-weekly basis. A nice, quaint, short, 25, 30-minute podcast talking about whatever he wants to talk about. And, you know, I wish him well. And, you know, we're going to continue to support him as he does his podcast. It will be bi-weekly. And my fellow other co-host, Donnie Salvo, will be premiering a, a quaint podcast on the PKD media feed as well called Donnie's Tales from the Attic, where Donnie goes through his massive, massive long boxes of comics, pulls out a couple of comics and breaks them down to you in his own special way, as only Donnie can do it. That podcast will also be bi-weekly uh, between anywhere between 15, 30 minutes as well. You know, we're going to normally air those on Fridays. They will be bi-weekly. You know, we just want to give you a little something extra. I know sometimes I'm hustling, trying to do all a gajillion things, and I can't get stuff out weekly. But the least I can do in the event that I can't give you something, they can give you something because it's all one family. So, you know, wish us the best with this, and we will keep moving. Into the world of art. Yes. Um, 
I don't know. I think it's a pretty typical story, you know, like the kid that uh, I was always doodling around and just drawing stuff. And thankfully, my parents were like really supportive, encouraged me and bought me, you know, like marker sets. And I think I got my first drawing table when I was in the fifth grade. Nice. My dad honestly found it in a, if I remember right, I think the story is he found it in like a, a scrap pile, like someone had thrown it out. And he took it, he brought it home and fixed it up and, you know, repainted it. And that was uh, a Christmas present My when I was a fifth grader. And I remember that being such a big deal. You know, I've always drawn, you know, just always doodled around and all the way up until probably, oh, I don't know, probably like high school. And then when I went into college, you know, I, I kind of put away comics and I put away drawing comic book characters and stuff and I kind of got roped into the idea that it was time to get serious and so I pursued a, a graphic design instead so I just kind of I was still in the art world obviously but as far as like comics and all that stuff was concerned I kind of put that away yeah I mean I think I've told a couple other people but like I remember going to uh, Fort Wayne because I went to school and went on Lake Indiana and I would we would take trips to the what was then the big mall in Fort Wayne, and uh, I was always like sneaking, you know, looks at the newsstand, looking at the new graphic novel sections, and I remember that's when I got Arkham Asylum and kind of sort of a closet comic comic book fan at that point. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I've always been involved in art in one way or another, but I basically put down my pencils for like I don't know, maybe like ten years almost. Wow. So. Um, I didn't get back into drawing and specifically drawing comics until like 2004. I've only been at it again for, you know, about six years. Well, I'm glad you're in it. <laughs> That's for sure. Well, um, I appreciate it. Yeah. Hey, ain't no thing, man. Hey, I preach truth, man. Sicko is awesome. Um, it's a very, um, it tugs at the heartstrings for sure. Um, you, you know, I you sent me a, a copy to read um, after we had some talks uh, via the internet and the interwebs and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it just re- it really just struck a chord with me. I talked about it once on the uh, on a previous episode, previous episodes of the PKD Black Box and stuff. But mm-hmm. for those who don't know what Sicko is about, would you, would you mind explaining it to them? Earlier this year, it was just kind of an all of a sudden thing. Um, my, my third child was born, Rosie. Um, it was probably like a week or a week like a week or two after she was born, all of a sudden I got a fever and I just wasn't feeling good. And, you know, I just assumed it was like, you know, a little flu bug or something like that. And, uh, this fever just wouldn't go away. I mean, it just was hanging around and hanging around and it got ridiculous, you know, to where, you know, I missed a couple of days of work, but I couldn't miss too much work. So I just going to work with this fever and I finally got tired of it. And, uh, you know, I was taking tons of like, Tylenol and ibuprofen in tandem, you know, flip-flopping to try and get the fever to go away. And I remember going, I finally went to a doctor and they, they didn't know what to do with me because I had breaking, I would, I was breaking out in hives and all sorts of crap. So, um, I mean, basically there's all sorts of drama that happened after that. Basically I found out I was allergic to ibuprofen and that's what the hives were. And at the 
the only way <laughs> the way I found out was because it almost killed me because my throat started to swell shut. Oh. And uh, so that was it was all just you know pretty scary. Obviously, went to the emergency room. There was times bef- you know before all that even going on, I was just like, "What is wrong with me? You know, what's going on?" And um, you're afraid to touch your kids or hold them or you know. I mean, Rosie was literally like three weeks old and I couldn't hold her because I I know it was wrong with me. I didn't want her to get sick. She was so little, yeah. you know, and. Uh, but ended up going to a bunch of doctors, and nobody knew what to tell me, and nobody knew what was wrong with me, and, oh, it's going to go away, and you just have to ride this out. And So I finally went to my like home physician, and she just finally was like, this is silly. We're going to set up tests. So then I went through all the tests, and anyways, I mean, just uh, they sent me to an oncologist, which was frightening because, of course, your oncology and – you think, well, uh, you know, really, what is this? Is this uh, is this going to be cancer, or what is this? You know, and just going into that building was really an eye-opening and humbling experience because you know there's so many people there that are just, you know, they're fighting the fight, and I just wasn't sure if I was going to be joining them in that fight, or if it was just going to be a visit, or what. You know, it was just a bunch of who knows what this really is so it was a really crazy crazy couple months basically because i probably had the fever for like five weeks or more and uh i mean honestly in the end um it turns out that more than likely i was basically poisoning myself with tylenol because they were very concerned about my liver too, which I guess if you take too much Tylenol, it can really affect your liver. So all that to say, <laughs> sicko, <laughs> sicko was just basically, you know, I needed, I needed to kind of get out all that stuff that had happened that kind of crammed in my head, and I also happened to need a, you know, something, something new to, to have on the table. So I thought, well, why not do a mini. And of course, you know, like all good ideas, it came at the 11th hour. And so I had about a month to, you know, to knock this thing out. So, you know, the best idea, of course, after being sick like that is to stay up long hours and draw a comic. <laughs> so, so I knocked it out and I had it ready to go by Windy City. I mean, literally, I think the printer dropped it off like the day before I drove out, drove up to uh, Chicago for Windy City. I don't know. It's just basically a, it's a mini to just kind of you know clue the reader into what it's like when you're just you're just not sure about basically about anything like what's going to happen next. And I think I think some people have kind of wondered why it's not more linear or why it's because it, it is kind of disjointed at times and random and um, quick at times. And I think. I was just really trying to somehow give the reader the experience of just how how messed up that that entire time kind of felt, and it, it did all happen so fast. Like you know, it was like, oh my gosh, it feels so slow. What's going on? And then then all of a sudden, you have someone telling me, oh yeah, you're fine. <laughs> you know, I mean, oh, yeah. so it's like, so just like in the book, there's there's not a there's really not a lot of build up to that end. Because there wasn't, you know, it was just kind of like, oh no, you're fine. We don't need to see you anymore.
So, but but no, I mean it, it's still it's still even though some you know some folks may may say that the story is disjointed to me, it's a well told story because you know even though like you you know you said like you know it, it, there may seem like there are pieces missing, the key elements of the story are there though. You know what the reader needs to know most is there. So no matter what happens, you can still get through the story in itself as a whole. Yeah, and don't get me wrong. I mean, honestly, I've had overwhelming, you know, positive reaction to the book. And it's kind of took me by surprise that so many people were, you know, latching onto it and actually, you know, kind of getting something out of it and be able to relate to it. And, you know, that's just incredibly humbling to have people tell you that they like your work and that it means something to them you know yeah so oh, oh, yeah. it's been great i'm i'm thrilled that people are getting out of it what they're getting out of it oh, yeah. and you can take a lot from it um i like i said on on the episode you know episodes ago where i talked about sicko i got something completely different out of it i it, it reminded me of the times where um, my best friend who passed away uh, back in 2002 he had um dia- you know he had kidney issues he had kidney failure he ended up being on dialysis you know for you know for a good period for a good period of his life uh, you know until his body just shut down and, and couldn't do it anymore and i just remember him having to go to to the hospital you know a number of times you know or having to go to a dialysis center and stuff like that now it's a completely different situation than, from your situation it, you know for some you know but somehow that struck a chord in me when i was reading that and I just remember when it was all said and done and I saw the last page of the book and it's and it's you with your family. It, you know, it kinda like I said, it tugs at the heartstrings, but you know, but it's it's very um see what's the word I'm looking for? It's you know, there's sometimes there's like a personal redemption and at the same time it's just you just you know, you just feel good. And there's nothing wrong with <laughs> feeling feeling good, you know, at, feeling good after reading a book, especially after reading through this ordeal, you know what I mean? Yeah, and I mean we're obviously we're obviously happy that it was uh, the happy ending that it was. There was, you know, we, we Sarah and I, my wife and I, had to come to that place, you know, where it was like, hey, if this turns out the other way, you know, we're gonna fight, you know, we're gonna we're gonna do whatever it takes. It'll be fine, you know. Uh, like we would say, it's in God's hands, you know. It's not, it's not, it's not of me anymore. It's gonna, it's gonna be what it's gonna be, and. Um, so we had kind of come to a place of peace, no matter what. No, and then that's cool. I just really dug it. I just, I just really dig the story. I mean, and, it, and to me, it's also, I also saw you doing this as also like very therapeutic. Definitely, definitely. You, you know, very therapeutic and and yeah, it's cathartic, cathartic for sure, man. I really, you know, I, I'm because I'm trying not to repeat myself constantly, because, <laughs> but <laughs> I just, I just really dug it. You know, because it, it's to me. Like slice of life stuff, slice of life stories, you know, can touch you in a lot in a lot of different ways, and you can relate to things with everyday with everyday life stories. I mean, like with superhero stuff, you can say, well, really, this superhero is an analogy for this, and it's a metaphor for that. So, you know, I can apply this to my life. But with slice of life, you know, it's 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 different. But there's some slice of life books. It's just like you're just watching or reading a sitcom, or you're watching like you know your standard drama, but. You know, not a lot of, or no, I shouldn't say not a lot of, but there are, you know, there are few slice of life books that really get you, you know, whether, no matter, mm-hmm. no matter the genre. And, and this, and this book got me. So I was just like, I got to get Andy on this show. So <laughs> I just remember, um, I think I contacted you through the, uh, through the comic forums because at the time we were working on, 
PKD Media was working on a Mercury and the Merge story. And I was like, well, I need to get a hold of Andy. I want to see if Andy can do a cover. And this was before, you know, everything went down. I got, you know, I got a hold of you and we started, you know, working stuff out and, and you were working on the cover. And then, and then, you know, you had disappeared for a while. I was like, well, I hope he's okay. I hope he's all right. Then you emailed me and said, you know, I'm, I'm all right. I'm feeling better and stuff. I was like, well, dude, I was like, look, take care of yourself. <laughs> don't worry. Don't do not worry about a cover. I don't care about the cover. You know, your health is your most important thing. I was like, dude, I'm not even sweating it. And right. then, and then after that whole, and you know, after this whole ordeal, you know, that you went through, I was just like, wow. You know, and it just really just put things in perspective for me. I'm like, just cherish the time you got. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I kind of hope that that's, I mean, ultimately, I kind of hope that that's what I guess people take away from it is, you know, you you really do have to face the reality that you're not necessarily guaranteed today. You're not guaranteed that next breath. When something like that happens, even though it turned out to be, you know, nothing, basically, when something like that happens, obviously you're kind of forced to think about those things. So, and I got, I've got a wife and three kids that I adore. So it was a pretty serious reality for me there for a while, you know, and it still is, of course you can't just because this particular chapter turned out happy. You can't go back to taking, hopefully you don't go back to taking them for granted or whatever, you know, taking those moments for granted. And hopefully that's what that last image that you were talking, you know, the last image of me with the kids, it's like, hopefully that sums it up, you know. Right. I'm going to enjoy this moment. And, I mean, even from, like, a sense of, you know, just this coming from a comic in my mind, I can still translate. I could, you know, see you with your family and you just enjoying that time on a person, you know, on a personal level, not not from a comic book level. It just like transcended, you know. So I, 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 I the power I, of comics, man. The power of comics. Yeah, I know people sleep on them, man. <laughs> people yeah. people sleep on the form, and they need to really get familiar with it. Now, another thing that I liked about your book is the fact that you did something a little different with it, format wise, and it's this um. I don't want to call it a micro format, but it's it's just, you know, it's smaller than a, than a regular size comic. And I think it also it helps with the storytelling because the way the pan, you know, the panels are made for this size of book. I'm not saying that it's a claustrophobic feeling, but in the, in the stages where, you know, things aren't going well and you're trying to find out what's wrong. There's that feeling of claustrophobia that I get from it. And it just it kind of brings me into the story because like you just feel a sense of worry and a sense of concern, and you just want things to open up. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think, you know, not to get too pretentious on you or whatever, but I think a lot, some of the thick lines were, you know, that was a choice, too. Like, when I drew the, not only the size, but I mean, the way I drew it was, uh, it was all very rushed, but not rushed in that I wasn't doing a good job or I wasn't trying to put down the right lines, but I kind of wanted it to have a, I don't know, sort of a frantic feel to it mm-hmm. at times. So, but yeah, the mini comic format, I mean, that was just, that was, I mean, more or less, it was just a matter of, you know, self-publishing is, <laughs> I mean, let's be real honest. One of the reasons is because it's more affordable. If I make it, the smaller I make it, the more affordable it was to print. But uh, as far as like, you know, the one panel per page uh, kind of thing, I just really wanted it to be like, snapshots or glimpses you know just sort of 
real quick bursts of thought and real quick bursts of visuals. So hopefully, you know, that's how it works together to to sort of make it. I don't know, sort of how it, like I said before, like how how it felt to be going through at the time. I had another question for you. Uh, now, you know, growing up, like like all of us, you know, we had our share of cartoons and, and comics that we read um, as kids. As far as uh, inspirations go from childhood and your art, were there any, like, artists or cartoons or styles of animation that, um, that you know, that still inspire you to this day? I think when I was a kid, it was mostly just, um, like, Sunday strips. Like, Peanuts is a real big one for me. I've always been in love with Charles Schultz. Bill Watterson's amazing, you know, as far as that time period. I love Calvin and Hobbes. I, I don't know. I just, my parents weren't really, like, necessarily hip on me getting superhero comics as much at the time. I mean, every once in a while, I'd get a Spider-Man or, you know, once in a while, they'd let me get a Superman or a Batman or whatever. But for the most part, if they got me comics, it was like, you know, Disney comics or um, Casper or hot stuff, mm-hmm. which is funny, but whatever. <laughs> no, um, my my mom, well, my mom when I first, stuff. oh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I apologize. No, that's okay. Go ahead. No, I just remember my mom also used to, as a kid, before I got into Star Wars comics, the, the first comics I started reading, like, was around, if I was, like, four years old, my mom would buy me Richie Rich, Hot Stuff, and Casper. So, no, trust me, I know all about those, man. Yeah, I had a lot of Richie Rich comics, too. I, I liked Richie Rich. Um because, you know, every year we would take a, a family vacation, which usually meant we were just going to go camping together. And so my parents would, you know, load up the car and go out and buy it. It's like, I don't know if you remember the, the big, like, it was a coloring book, but it would have, like, puzzles and crosswords and coloring pages and all sorts of stuff, activity books, I guess you'd call it. Yeah. And my mom would be nice enough. She knew I was into comics and drawing, so she would, like, you know, throw in a couple of Donald Ducks and Archies and Richie Rich and whatever, you know, other more cartoony kind of stuff like that. And they would buy me, like, Heathcliff, the little, like, uh, I don't know, like, faucet paperback, you know, collections. Mm-hmm. Do you remember those? The little paperback collections, like, you could get Heathcliff or Beetle Bailey and that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah, my mom my mom and dad used to bring those home for me, too. So, no, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, I mean, so mostly that's what I that's what I had as a kid as far as, like, comics and, I mean, cartoons, dude. I watched, I watched everything but your favorite, you know? So... <laughs> I wasn't allowed to watch G.I. Joe as a kid. Oh, so. man. You, I'm telling you, man, you missed out. <laughs> you missed out. Yeah, every, yeah. Everybody knows I'm the biggest G.I. Joe and Star Wars Star Wars freak there is. So, so yeah, no, I watch Joe every opportunity possible. You know, I'm going to have to find a way to sneak you a box set one time <laughs> you know, in the near future so you can ch- check out all, all the bad cartoons you missed. <laughs> yeah, I... I, I I still don't really understand exactly what the issue was with that because I mean, you know, I grew up in a in an evangelical Christian home. Yeah. So a lot of other kids and, you know, that grew up in our church or whatever, their parents weren't letting them watch like Smurfs or or He-Man, you know, because it was magic. So it was it was of course witchcraft or whatever. And uh but my parents were totally cool with those. They were like, yeah, whatever, you know, it's fantasy, who cares, you know? Right. You guys are smart enough to figure out that this isn't real. 
But for whatever reason, I don't know if it was the military-like connection or whatever, G.I. Joe was such a taboo in our house. Yeah, I guess that was a little too close to reality for my parents, which I, of course, find amazingly humorous. Because <laughs> I know now, of course, that you know all the Joes are shooting lasers and Cobra shooting lasers, and by some miracle, no one's ever getting hit. And remember, there's always a parachute. There's always a parachute. Yeah, I've heard that. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know why, but I wasn't allowed to watch G.I. Joe. But I was a Transformers guy instead. Well, see, and that's, that's what cracks me up, though, too, because, like, the level of violence on Transformers as compared to G.I. Joe is just as strong. But then again, it's robot on robot violence <laughs> as opposed to human on human violence. So, I, I, you know, hey. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, the funny part is, of course, my parents let me go to see Transformers the movie, you know, in the theater with my cousins. And uh, that was the one time I can remember them, like, actually, you know, leaving us at the theater and letting us kind of on our own which was just unheard of in my house and of course you know spoilers but uh when optimus died you know and well even in the first freaking like five seconds of that movie like everybody you love as a kid character wise is like blown away in the first five seconds yes you oh, know you, and then you, optimus you know. died and i was like bawling my eyes out in the theater as a kid you don't but, understand how upset I was. I was pissed off when they killed Prowl. Well, yeah, Ironhide was one of my favorites, and he gets nailed right there at the beginning, too. Oh, he bit it hard, and they didn't have to... <laughs> and, and he like bit the it. burned out eye sockets and everything. It was pretty messed up. Dude. Yeah, it was real demented. Um, <laughs> it, it, it was... <clears throat> All for a toy line change. Yes. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. Wow. It was it was pretty it was pretty major back then, and that was some, and that was some really nice animation. I mean, they they took their time on that. They worked on that for a while. Yeah, it is a pretty awesome uh, piece of animation. It's still fun to watch that movie for me. I guess it's nostalgia probably mostly, but you know the crazy overproduced Orson Welles voice and oh man. I love them. I still kind of love that movie, I guess. Yeah, I got the uh, 20, I think it's the 25th anniversary uh, uh, DVD of it, and it's got all these extra features, um, including uh, an episode of Transformers uh, Scramble City, um, which was overseas, and it introduces Transformer fans to Ultra Magnus and a couple of the characters that would eventually introduce themselves in the movies, to the, in the movie in the United States. Yeah, so, dude. Yeah, it's nice, man. It, it's, it's real nice. Yeah, I had Ultra Magnus. That was I never had Optimus Prime, but I had Ultra Magnus. So, you know, I had the little white Optimus Prime shoved inside of him. So <laughs> I always just got rid of the rest of it and just played with Optimus. So I don't blame you. <laughs> Optimus was the man. So uh, aptly named. That's right. <laughs> Optimus Prime, best first. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Um, but I mean, I. Dude, I watched a lot of cartoons when I was a kid. I still watch cartoons, you know. I use, I ha I'm happy to use my kids as an excuse to, you know, <laughs> it being okay that I still watch tons of cartoons. Use it to your advantage for the rest <laughs> of your natural life. <laughs> you know, it doesn't, doesn't look quite as pathetic when you're going to see the princess and the frog as long as you have, you know, two kids under five in tow. 
See, you know. So. <laughs> <laughs> you got it down. You all right, man. You know, and you're trying to evangelize your kids with some of the stuff you were into, kind of a thing, you know, like, I think I must have played uh, The Hobbit for my kids a million times, because that was, was and still is one of my favorite animated movies, so... You know, I've only watched that once my entire life, and I think I was 10 when I watched it. I I should probably go back and check that out. I think it's one of the better ones. I mean, I like the Lord of the Rings animations, but uh, the rotoscope stuff is a little less appealing to me as the, the animation. I just love the style of the, the Rankin-Bass Hobbit. It's just it's kind of creepy and awesome. and I don't know. It's amazing in such a small amount of time how much they can give you of that story. Oh, yeah. I love, I love cartoons. I, I mean, I always tell people, you know, when they ask me, well, what, you know, what did you aspire to be or whatever? I was always, uh, was always, I wanted to either be a Disney animator, a comic book artist, or a tattoo artist. <laughs> <laughs> it had to be one of the three. And actually that's pretty, almost accurate at this point as well, you know, as yeah. far as like what I would like to do. So, now, for a living, I mean, if, if if you don't mind talking about it, what is it that you do for a living? Um, I'm a I'm actually an art director for a for a small toy company. Uh, I'm the art director of web services at a small toy company. So, basically, I'm a web designer, web developer to some degree. Not a programmer, but I just I make websites for diecast cars and model kits and. Uh, Specifically, like start, we do Star Trek model kits. And, nice. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, I've been a web designer for probably for, I don't know, since like 2000. Mm-hmm. I've had a, I've had quite a few jobs um, with different companies doing different things, but this is the first time that, you know, my interests kind of met the uh, met the subject matter of the company I was working for. Like, you know, who doesn't? Of course, I love toys, you know, so. <laughs> you can't go wrong with that, man. Shoot, I, I love to take a job with a, with a toy company. Heck, even start my own if I had the finances. Actually, shoot, I just just give me a whole multimedia company with a toy line on the side, and I'll be happy. <laughs> Well, isn't that PKD Media already? I mean, well, you guys you, don't have a toy line yet? Man, what you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I wish, I wish, you'd always wish we had the funding for it. One day, one day we'll have Mercury and the Mert action figures, and we'll have Agents of Cult action figures. They see, you can buy them for your kids, and but see if you have, like, you see, and if they ever have any G.I. Joe toys, they'll work with the G.I. Joe toys, too. See, that way we can, you know, I can make my toys supplemental for folks that can't afford G.I. Joes. So, <laughs> right on. You know, I'll, I'll make it work one way or the other. I'll make it work, but. Um, oh, I believe it. I believe it. Just got I just got to be patient. <laughs> I just got to be patient, but. Dude, I think that's the same story all over. I mean, I think a lot of. A lot of us maybe didn't quite understand what we were really getting into when we stepped into this world of comics, you know, as far as, like, really how much work is involved and, Mm -hmm. you know, how much time and sacrifice you really might be asking. You know, I mean, I know when I first started, I was, you know, I said yes to everything, and but I had no idea what I was doing and got overwhelmed super fast and just had to tell everybody, 
hey, sorry. <laughs> you know, I'm I'm not going to be able to do any of this. So, And I disappeared for about a month and then came back and, you know, you, you just... You just don't get it, I don't think, when you first start out, just how much work's involved and the true process of it all. And yeah, it's it's a it's a hustle and a grind, I tell you. And, I mean, and you know this. You, I mean, if anybody knows, I know you know that for a fact. It's 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 one of those things. But I also look at it like we you know we kind of didn't know what we were jumping into when we got into it. But if we didn't have the internet. I don't think we would be able to go as far as we've gotten right now. You know what I'm saying? Well, I mean, obviously, I would more than likely have never, you know, met probably even half of the people that I've met. You know, just the benefit of forums and Facebook, Twitter, whatever, you know, you name it, any kind of social media kind of thing. Mm -hmm. You know, I wouldn't know half the people I know. I mean, yeah, I would have still probably gone to the shows, but I'm not able to do as many as it really takes to, you know, get your face out there and to really meet people. So the Internet, of course, has just been just integral to the whole process. You know, and I, when I really think about it, it starts to get a little crazy to think that, you know, I've basically been, uh, you know, kind of trying to do this for about six years now. I realize there's lots of people that have been doing it a heck of a lot longer than that. But I don't know, I think I kind of benefit from the fact that for me it's more about learning and just loving the art form and you know trying to figure out better ways to tell stories and just trying to perfect the craft and that kind of thing you know I'm not as into it for uh, monetary gain as I am for telling stories I guess word no I understand I mean like for me if I can do this for a living, I would love I would love that. I don't have to, I don't have to be a gajillionaire to do this. You know what I mean? I, I know if I could do this and pay the bills, I I'm happy. Yeah, I, right. I, I, th- I think that's true of all of us. Yeah, we all yeah. like to do this for a living. <laughs> yeah. So I. So that, I mean that's why I won't stop. Uh, well, <laughs> at least until the at least until the missus comes up to me and says, Sean. You spent this much amount of money in the past few years, and we've got this to show for it. Um, I think it's time for you to fall back, <laughs> okay? So, right. But um, I mean, I, I mean, we're lucky to to have you know strong support centers. You know what I'm saying? And it's and it's not that fault that false sense of security where you know they say that you know they they back you, but in the back of their mind they're like, I don't think he can do it. It's just no, I'm 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 down for the ride. You know, I want you to do well and I want you to succeed. But if I do see a problem, I will let you know. Yeah, I mean, if I was jeopardizing my family in any way with doing this, then, of course, I'm confident that my wife would step in and tell me so. But, I mean, at this point, realistically, even if it never makes me a dime and, you know, even if... uh, I end up just making this for my, you know, making comics for friends or, or whatever. I'm going to continue to do it regardless. So, I mean, ideally, it'd be great if somebody liked it enough that they were willing to pay me to do it so I could do it all the time. But no. but I don't really see myself stopping doing it regardless. Cool. One thing I want to know, and actually I want you know, because I want the people to know too, are there any 
projects or any things that you're working on right now that might be popping up sometime in the near future? Actually, right now when I'm talking to you, <laughs> I'm drawing a, uh, I'm working on a project for John Suntress right now um, from Word Balloon. Nice. And uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. I don't really know how much I'm supposed to say about it, but... Well, if if you can't if you can't give anything away, it's 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 okay. I, I don't want to get you in any trouble. I don't think it, I don't think it's a big deal. It's just I mean I can tell you the format is basically just uh, I'm illustrating what will be kind of like a slideshow. I think John's planning on using it as a vehicle to showcase his vocal talents as well. So which he has, you know talent yeah so. he, he's got the chops he, he's got a, he's got a nice podcast he's definitely got the voice yeah he's a good guy so um yeah we just kind of uh mike norton actually kind of hooked us up on this project and was nice enough to you know say hey i bet you andy would do this so talk to john and so i'm working on that for john i also have a uh, strip that uh for Mystery Salt was that cruisy that I need to finish up. You know, that will be coming out relatively soon. And then beyond that, I have uh, I have a couple pages for something for Angry Gnome, contributing something to them. And then I also have another anthology that I'm working on with a, it's a three-page story that has to do with a spelling bee, but I won't say much beyond that. <laughs> okay. Um, and then uh, Dial R is also working on we're, we're going to try and put out a, another anthology to kind of showcase the studio's, you know, talent. And I've been asked to do the cover for that, and I and I have a uh, an eight-page story in that anthology. So I'm going to be busy, basically, until... <laughs> I'm literally booked pretty solid until the end of April, and then I uh, dial our thing, I think, if I remember right, is due somewhere in midsummer so well cool well i'm I'm glad i got that uh that mercury and the murd cover from you when i did <laughs> <laughs> yeah dude that was that was good timing yeah oh, for sure oh, and that was a fun one too um i didn't get to color it but oh dude it's you know. okay it's it's all right you know who knows when, we, when the time comes back around you know when we actually have money to print print more books in color um <laughs> I, I might email it back to you and say hey if you got a minute <laughs> yeah <laughs> so, right yeah you know so no well, man it's, it was of course the uh the project that i'm always talking about and i should just stop talking about it because i'm starting to think it's never going to happen because i keep saying yes to everybody yeah and and i don't want to make it sound like you know i'm ungrateful because lots of people have given me some pretty cool, cool opportunities and it's hard to say no sometimes you know because they're friends or they're people you respect or yes. it might be a potential opportunity for you know your work to get underneath a couple more eyes and um but my my personal book is hip-hop scotch that i'm always talking about and i'm really hoping that i can get like maybe one issue out this year mm -hmm. it's starting to feel like it'll be an accomplishment to get a single issue out this year of that so well, all I know is is that if you put out an issue of Hip Hop Scotch, I'm buying it. I've already I've already got my money put away. I, I got a, <laughs> I got a box. I got a box that I put money away for stuff uh, sometimes. And so, in, in the event this ever comes out, in, uh, in the event this ever comes out, the dollars are already ready. So, please believe, <laughs> please believe, I'm down for a copy of Hip Hop Scotch. So, um, you know, because like I got to get that, and then like the rest of the money in that box is for stuff that will never come out. Like, say for instance. Uh, Let's see here. Let me think. There's some stuff on DVD that will ne that will never appear, like uh, some old cartoons like Meatballs and Spaghetti. 
uh, <laughs> you know, or like that Wolfman Jack cartoon, you know, just that crazy, terrible stuff. <laughs> I thought you were, I thought you were going to bring up the He-Man art book. Oh, <laughs> oh, I forgot that on purpose. <laughs> Take it now. Oh. Yeah, I'll never get that. Man, folks yeah. still charge way too much for that thing on eBay. Way too much. Right. But anywho, <laughs> um, if people want to see your art or um, just check out anything you've done, what website can they hit up to see you? Well, I mean, my personal website is just andyjewett.com, which is, you know, uh, Andy, and then it's jwett.com. Okay. That's probably the best place, but I mean... I don't know. I'm kind of all over the internet, so uh, if you if you just want to Google, if they just want to Google my name on that, that'll bring up all sorts of stuff too. I'm sure. But I try and I try to keep up with the website. It's a little difficult at times to keep up, but there's a pretty decent sampling, I'd say, of my artwork up there. Maybe not the newest stuff all the time, but that's a good spot to go, and they can contact me through there. Very so. cool. No, that's yeah, that's awesome because I think it, if I remember right, it's on your website. You've got that image of Spock, and it's like this "keep on trucking" type image of Spock, and he's doing the the uh, Vulcan uh, the Vulcan sign. Uh, if I remember right, I might be wrong about that. I can't remember. I could swore that's on your website though. I'll yeah, like yeah, definitely. I did that. <laughs> that was actually that was actually for work. That was a uh, that was an illustration for a temporary tattoo that we handed out because, like I said, we do the Star Trek models, so mm-hmm. they wanted a. Uh, they wanted uh, me to do something for these temporary tattoos, and I was like, "Well, I really like our crumbs art, and maybe I can do a Star Trek our crumb thing." So that needs to be on a T-shirt, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it came out. It came out pretty good. I, I was relatively pleased with it, and they were happy. So that's really all that matters. But yeah, it was fun. Spock's definitely my favorite character on the on Star Trek. Well, well, shoot. Well, I tell you what. Listen, Andy. I first off want to say thank you for coming on the show. I can't say thanks enough. It means a lot to me, and I appreciate you taking out time because I know you're working on something right now as we're doing this as we're doing this interview. And I just really, I really thank you, and I appreciate you coming on the show. Hey, no problem, man. Thanks for, of course, thanks for inviting me. I hope this doesn't, you know, kill your listenership too much or whatever. So <laughs> it won't kill it, man. <laughs> you know, what, man, don't you don't have to self-deprecate yourself, dog. I'm telling you, you'll be, dude. You did fine. You did absolutely <laughs> fine. No, I'm, I'm serious. It's just, um, you know, I, I love what you do, and please keep doing it. Folks like you are good for the are good for comics and good for the industry. I just want to see, you know, you continue to just grow and just and keep shooting up higher and higher, man. Yeah, I appreciate that. That's cool. Hey, man, look, it's you. It, it you know it's you yeah. you like what you like and that's how it works. Yeah. It's kind of like why I can't. Uh, it's like I can't stand. Uh, I don't like quietly, but I love oh. Scott Collins. You, you stab me in the heart. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Here's what I'll tell you. Here's why I don't like Frank quietly. Every because he he has the same thing Mark Bagley does. Every character looks roughly the same. There's no delineation in the face. And I'm sorry if you compare. Superman looked like. Freaking, uh, who was it? Uh, like Cyclops. No, well, like, they no. look at Cyclops had a thinner, had a thinner overall skull and uh, 
small the jawbone that Superman did. Yeah, but I just don't. I, I honestly, I'll tell you what it is. I'll put the blame in one place, and that is going back to old school authority when you had that switch from Hitch to Quietly. It's if it hadn't been if they had not done that in that in that second trade had not gone Hitch to Quietly, and that's how I got introduced to Authority. And I was like, ah, shit, that's a transition in art style in this, in one book. Then I probably would have liked Wiley if I'd been introduced to him solo by solo and it's starting off in his own thing. But I was introduced to him following Hitch and I loved, and I love Hitch. But when you go from Hitch to quietly, that's, that's a fucking transition, man. That's like going from this week. Dude, that's like going from Luther to freaking. I don't know. That's like going from Luther Bobby to Freddie Jackson. No, it's from going from Luther to Freddie Jackson. There's a there's a big difference between the two. Yeah. Freddie Jackson, not Freddie Jackson. <laughs> oh, man, singing that Beauty and the Breeze. Got that? I think he got that Academy Award though. Oh, he did get that award. <laughs> I was about to say, it's like going. From, no, it's like going from Chic to freaking uh, Wyclef. Just a little bit of a transition. You're like, what? For Wyclef to Wyclef. <laughs> Delineate the year. What was good? One sucks ass. Yeah, you never know what you're gonna get with Clef. You never know. You, you might, you might get, you might get the carnival, or you might get Masquerade. Ooh, and that's a big difference between them two records. But slightly. Oh yeah, because trust me, I I got I got all the white Clef stuff stuff up to Masquerade and Masquerade. I was salty. I was like, I paid for this. <laughs> It's so so bad. Yeah, because like the carnival is cool and the uh, eclectic was cool. I'm like, I like these two albums. I'm I'm down with these. This is good. So I'm like, you know, it's only going to get better from here and greater from here. Masquerade came out. You know, they had that first single with um oh with one with that one girl. I cannot remember. Sarah. No 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 no. Um, she was part of that uh hip hop R and B group that Wyclef formed. Um, oh yeah, fine ass Puerto Rican girl. Yeah, I think her name was like Chanel or something like that. I can't remember. It started with the C. Last week on VH1, so I know what you're talking about. And so, um, and so they did a song together. It's like a, du- a duet, like a little slow jam song about him getting off the streets and not being a hustler anymore. That was cool. I'm like, you know, you're doing something a little different. No worries, you know. I mean, it's kind of it kind of played off the uh, Mary J. Blige Wyclef joint. Um, someone called nine one one. It's yeah. kind of like an extension of that. I was like, okay, first single, I'm cool with this. Let me go buy this. Let me go cop this. I, mean, I copped that CD. I put it in my player, and I was just like, mm. I was mad. So I was like, maybe maybe I'm just not feeling it right now. I'll wait a week and bring it back and put it back in my car. I put that thing back in my car. 30 minutes later, I was like, oh, this is bullshit. <laughs> I, I, was, I was salty, and I, I'm still mad about that record. But um no man no S- speaking of speaking of hate um the whole thing with Marvel and their response to the uh, iPad yo see I don't look at it that way I honestly do not look at it that way see I don't think they're hating on it I think they are and I think they are because instead see this is the one thing it's the wrong it no okay you don't think it's hating but the presentation or the response that they gave isn't the most pleasant. It's all in how it's all in how you present yourself. It's all in how you present yourself first and foremost. But um, you know, because I know they're salty about it not being flash enabled. But we all know that Adobe and Apple right now are beefing like Big and Pac. Been beefing for like five years. Yeah, and so 
And the that big- doesn't. But you know what? I got. But that's the stupidest fucking thing. I mean, I rep- I work in a store, and I'm a, and I repair phones for a living. Do you know how many people I have come in every day asking, "Why is my BlackBerry not play this site with videos? Why can't I watch Java stuff? When's a BlackBerry gonna have Java? When's my Android gonna have Java? When's an iPhone gonna have Java? I don't fucking know." But Adobe's putting out a mobile version of Adobe and everything. But the thing about it is, from is, uh, when Marvel's basically saying, you know what, you don't have the DRM on it so that we can't protect our stuff. And the whole thing is, at their point, I was like, hey, we want to put out motion comics for our online comics for people. And, it, and our flash enable comics. That's how we're doing our DRN. That's how we're doing it. Yeah, but Outside they don't of the stuff that decision no more with Steve Jobs, the largest shareholder of Disney. Disney owns your bitch ass. You should just be quiet and wait two weeks. That's my opinion. And, and see, that's what—that's the whole thing that catches me off guard. I know, you know, I know Marvel is still Marvel. They're part of Disney, but they still do their own thing. And that's why I just didn't understand a kind of knee-jerk reaction to it all. And yeah, I understand that the iPad, you know, they can still use iVerse, Comixology, and Panelfly. But those Marvel books that are on those sites are so separated, they're not very fluid. There's my whole problem with the Marvel DCU, okay? Yes, I know it's Flash-enabled. I understand that. You're paying to borrow comics. And see, my whole thing is that as a comics reader, I want to be able, if I, if I pay money, I want to own my book. That's just yeah. how, that's just how I feel about it. If I pay for it, I want to own my book. Then the other issue I have is is that with um, the Marvel DCU, some of the stuff comes out timely, and some of the other stuff it takes a while for them to put it out because I don't know whether they're scared that people aren't going to go buy the print copy or what. It's just there's just an inconsistency there that I just can't deal with. And nine times out of ten, I know. Look, I know this is first gen technology with iPad. I get that. I understand it, and I get it. Just because it's first first gen technology doesn't mean that you know that you can't work with it. So when the second gen comes around, you can be prepared and ready to go. So I don't understand this hesitation. I I, I really don't. That's my problem. Plus, at the same time, it's going to be released. We're going to have the usual Apple r- reveal of a uh, 4.0. I, yeah, iPhone. And probably the announcement of the exclusivity with uh, Verizon's ending. I mean, with the AT&T's ending and the, from what I was talking with a friend of mine, they're actually going to put out a uh, new iPhone with a universal chip in it that has both a GSM and a uh, CDMA chip built into it so you can activate it on either network. Oh, that'd be real nice. So that's what they're they're planning to do. They're hoping to do something similar to what uh, Google's doing with the Nexus One, especially if Nexus One shows its well, because they they're like they don't want to have to be tied to somebody. Now I'll give it up to Apple and that they they both screwed you and they said that you know what we're giving you something good. Hey, it's an unlocked device, but the only people that are going to sell these SIM cards going to be AT and T because it's going to be a proprietary micro SIM that oh no, Deutsche Telekom's not going to have the rights to sell in the U.S. Oh, <laughs> I mean, I use I use Moby Comic Reader on my, uh, and that's what I read my CBR files on. Mm-hmm. They look okay. They look great. You can't really zoom real well. Yeah. That's why I think the iPad's going to be great for those who for for people who want to go out and do that kind of thing. It's going to be great, and also I think Longbox. I think that's one reason we haven't heard anything from Longbox in what six months. Yeah. I haven't heard anything from this since uh, San Diego. Yeah, they have been kind of quiet, and maybe iPad, and maybe the iPad has something to, something to do with that. Maybe. I hope that something good comes to iBox to Longbox for iPad. 
because yeah. look, because we, we all know, we all know the big two will have nothing to do with this for the longest time. They will always be the last ones to join in in the game because they're still making money off of paper comics. Let's make that clear. Yeah, to quote our good friend John Mayo, the monthly comic subsidizes everything else at the at all the publishers so that they have the ability to do trades and everything else. It it, it subsidizes content creation. Yeah, I don't know. You never know with DC. I, mean, I think there's still a question mark because we still don't know what that lady's going to do yet. Yeah, that, that, that is true because she, she does know a thing or two about marketing and getting products out to people. With the fact that we've also pointed out that you know that Apple and Disney are so closely tied together, you never know. DC may say, fuck it, and not uh, want to have something with somebody that's major partner with Marvel. I don't think it's going to be like that because they still got HBO on iTunes. So. Yeah. Uh, the big people, the, I wonder if they're going to keep, if uh, Amazon's going to ask to delist the Kindle app. That's going to be interesting. Yeah, that's going to be real interesting. Yeah. Because you know, the, uh, the, all of the book manufacturers wanted the, wanted this uh, device to come out because that way they could get more money. Because they're going to make more money off one book sale now than they did than what, Amaz- than what Amazon sold the books for. Yeah, because yeah, I think it's 30% of the money. And so if you charge $15, you're going to make more money. Yeah, They get 70% of the money. Marvel, uh, Apple gets 30%. That's why all the book manufacturers were lining up behind Apple to help get this out. Because they're, getting, they're like, they, t- they asked Amazon to charge more. And Amazon said, fuck you, no. What else are you going to go to? They got about a ball too because they sell their books too. They real books. They like the biggest bookseller. Like, yeah. like hey, you know, so much they they got a lot of weight. Yeah, I mean, I'm 32. Sean, you're what, 34, 35? Yeah, I'm 34. And Julian, how old are you? March to 30. March. Yeah, I mean, I'm almost there. So sad. Yeah, I think I think I hate to say it. I prefer to read books. In a uh, floppy, in the old school format. I mean, I really don't like reading books on a digital screen. I've done it. It's oh, not great. I read digital comic books every day. But I'm talking I about books. Every single comic book that I freaking buy. Oh, I read books. I read stuff. Yeah, I read stuff on my phone. I don't Real even books. read newspaper anymore. Yeah. Occasionally right. read a book. Like, I'm mostly reading nonfiction, and lately I've been getting audio books and stuff like that because I usually lay like, in the phone and sleep on the train or something. Yeah, if you got an iPad, you'd probably be just tearing it up, getting all that stuff. I'm I'm, ha- I'm half and half. I mean, I read I read both, you know, paper, paper comics and I read digital comics, you know, in various formats, whether it be like, you know, the web comic format or, you know, people that will take a regular comic page and split it up like we do on our website or, you know, they'll just over there have weekly pages. So, I've, you know, I read a lot of digital comics in various ways, so it doesn't bother me. And like something like for me, I get hyped because when I see something like an iPad, this gives me the opportunity to finally go buy books that I don't have the I don't have enough money to like spend, you know, two to to five dollars on. Now I can get them for like hopefully at a decent low price and I can read them and enjoy them. And if I want to go get the trade, I can get the trade. You know what I mean? I read probably in a week. I read about. I read about a trade to two and about f- between 10 and 15, 20 comic books a week. In that meantime, I'm also reading for class, and I'm reading probably one or two nonfiction books. So I do a lot of reading. Yeah, you do. That's a lot. Yeah. But, I mean, I want – if I can get something that I – I tell you, you know, the people that are going to be the real driver behind this, now that I really think about it, behind the iPad, 
are going to be libraries. That's going to drive libraries because if libraries start doing ebooks and ebook sales for their stuff, oh yeah, hmm. the iPad will zoom off because then it'll give somebody like my wife who hates reading on those screens a reason to just maybe to pull up the iPad, pull uh, pull up the Memphis Library website, and download a, over the OTA in the house a book and just read it and then to check it out for say a week and then it just automatically deletes itself. Yeah. I say, I know you'd love that, Julian. Yeah, that'd be dope. Get that. I think textbooks, I think that could be key because the problem with the Kindle is when you used to read textbooks in school, they used to have pictures and diagrams. You really can't do a diagram on a Kindle but on this iPad, bust out the formula, you might have a little vid down there. So if you put the base and acid together, that joint's not good. You show it, show what happens. Oh yeah, that that whole interactive feel—that's that's a key seller right there. Yeah, because uh, was it Rance was talking about that at Heroes last year? Was that was one of the things they were going to try? They were going to have on books, especially uh, Hick, uh, Hickman's. Was they're going to have like the DVD extras on books on that site? So like you could see the creation process. You could have extra. Music, you can though they have music in the background, they'd have uh, extra stuff going on. So, if you like, have got that textbook there and all of and then the bottom right in a chemistry textbook, you could see the interaction of the molecules and a one on geography. You could see a video, oh, you could see like something ripped off from what planet Earth where they do that overhead shots. And if you needed more information, you click on something and all of a sudden you it opens up Safari and you're bam, you're at a Wikipedia or whatever the hell they're using. One thing I did like is that they say they're it's using the same dot connector as the uh, iPod and the iPod i the iPhone and the iPhone iPod Touch, yeah. which mean hopefully, hopefully that means it uses the same accessories. They said I read it somewhere that it does use the same accessories. As it does. Good, good, because that'll make that means it's not going to require too much power to charge because I tell you that because charging that some bitches you're going to have to keep it charged. I mean they say ten hours, but Come on, who here actually believes it'll last 10 hours? One of the other things we we're going to talk about was technology killing the talent in urban music that I sent y'all. I had to wait for a transition time, and I sure as fuck couldn't yeah, find yeah, for the transition to the white NBA. You know, <laughs> the, the other NBA, the other WNBA. Oh. Not the NBA, not the white NBA. I read it. I read it, and I was like, this is so bad, I'm not even going to do a strip about it. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I'm probably, I have, I may be white, but I do have the occasional, you know, I get angry black man moments, but I was like, you know, I can't even have one of those moments because this is one of those ones I want to go to, just walk up to the owner and go, you know, normally I'd, I'd tell somebody who you are so they come and bitch slap you, but you know, no, just walk away. It's yeah. not even worth it. Yeah, I, I, I just do not understand what in the world Don Moose Lewis is thinking by trying to come up with an all-white basketball league and then going to target to put a team in Augusta. Yeah. Augusta. What? Augusta? Yes, Augusta. Augusta. He said, and the mayor of Augusta has already said no. He's publicly expressed his, you know, for his support for minor league teams in the past, but he's not going to do the same for this man. And and then for Damus Lewis to say some stuff like, 
Fundamentals. Fundamentals. And he said white American-born citizens are in the minority now. I'm like, have you looked around America? I'm like, you dumb motherfucker. That may be I the case in so basketball. Well, that sure as fuck ain't the case in uh, all the white boys in basketball right now from Europe because they be playing hard. It's not their fault. They got a professional league and they be working hard. The white boys here, they don't be working hard. They go play soccer. They go play soccer, <laughs> lacrosse. And other sports, golf. Say we're playing baseball. They're doing something else. They get into that swimming because my man be swimming from but from B-more. He be swimming in the, in the water. They try to be like him. And, and then you hit it on the head. NBA is global, baby. Basketball is global. They got Chinese players. Yes, we got Chinese players. We got Paul Gasol is from Spain. Spain talking about what? Spain. I you know what? what? I, I, sorry, as somebody who used to have Paul Gasol. Fuck Pal Gasol. He got better. He I got, got the better. better. We got the better Gasol now. We got Mark. Mark actually ha- Mark can actually, you know, take a charge as opposed to going, uh, Pal Gasol. A lot of Jr. you got over there now. But the Beijing Olympics made him stronger. You know what I'm saying? He got better. Kobe, Kobe whooping him in the shape. You know, he's probably yelling at him every day. Yeah, but Mark's got the beard. Mark kept the beard, though. You got you got to say something. That beard is a that's a Chuck Norris fierce beard that Mark has. <laughs> Powell look, look like a caveman. Looks kind of tough with his. No, all right, now look. All right, I'm, I'm stopping. But you know what? Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I really hate the fact that if they hadn't put that whole thing in there about fundamentals of basketball, the first thing I kept thinking of was, isn't this what? No offense to anybody who likes women's basketball. I'd hate women's basketball because it is not an athletic game. They keep saying, oh, it's fundamentally sound. Everything's like, I don't give a shit. I want to see people dunk. Well, yeah, I want to see explosive athletes. That's why I do not care about the WNBA. I don't really care about watching high school basketball if it's not at the highest levels here. And I sure as hell won't watch anything but Division One basketball because it's not athleticism. And I'm sorry, that's what, that's what makes it exciting to me. Is athleticism, and I'm sorry. And the other thing I kept thinking of was that link that I told you about. Do y'all remember when Jordan hosted SNL? Yes. Yeah. And they did that whole takeoff of the the first black uh, African, the first black on the Gar- Globe Trotters. <laughs> I kept thinking of that, going, "Oh my God, that is the first thing." And just seeing uh, who was it? Oh crap, the guy, uh, the guy who played Austin Powers. Tell me, Mike, Mike Myers. Myers. Mike Myers having just this freeze out moment and everything this grimace on his face on he doesn't play basketball the way it's supposed to be played i was like oh yeah whatever <laughs> when i read that i just thought about like don't they know that tim duncan's nickname is big fundy he's the most fundamentally sound back pressure boss player play like i like the last 15 20 years oh yeah no doubt <laughs> and duncan doesn't like duncan because Duncan does not like dunking. I know they shut up. Uh, just because he's like, yeah, I don't want to have to jump. <laughs> I don't want to. And it's it's a point because he could come down. You could come down and hurt your hurt your legs and everything. And I think that's one reason why he's lasted as long as he's never had any back. Pro- he's never had any leg problems. Oh, big fundy. Yeah. Yeah. Gets the job done. Moving on to the other thing, I mean, the fundamentals that they were talking about in this one on urban music. It's yeah. funny, like about a month before that, I was I looked over at my boss. I looked at him. I said, "Chris, what's a what was the last great R and B band?" 
because I was listening to Best of the 80s and Sheik came on, and I was like, is this the last great 80s band, really, backing band that you really had? No, man. The last the last um, black band we had was Ben Condition. And like, yeah, and, and they still come out with some tracks. Yeah, yes, they do. Yes, they do. And that's the that's the last black R and B band out. Period. Besides that, the industry that you, really hit. The, I'm talking that that oh. has. Yeah, making. I'm talking hit. about on the pop condition. Uh, uh, when's the, but when's the last time they had a big hit? Oh, the last time they had a big. No, 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 no. It would be a, hold on. Let me think. Give me a second. It was two thousand and two thousand and two. I think that it was last time they had a big hit. I think yeah. that that was the last time. But ever since then, you know, they're on the independent scene now. But it's like the last of the black bands with quote unquote exposure. See what happened is is that somewhere after the R and B group thing just like died off, like record labels just said, you know what? It's more about individualism with like with R and B music, and I never understood that. Because now more than ever, you have more solo artists in R&B than you've ever had before. And to be honest with you, half these dudes or half these ladies need to be in groups. They need to have backup. They have need to have backup singers in groups. And some of the, the groups that, just, that they have come out with have been based upon like the pop the pop groups anyway. So they've been kind of, you can easily see, let's take like a, We'll take the two newest ones that we got from the beautiful show called Making the Band. Danny DeCane and Day 26. Now, Danny DeCane, when you first watched that show, you clearly knew who was going to be siphoned off to be solo. You knew that the crazy blonde chick was going to be famous for just being a bad girl. And you knew that Dawn was really the only black girl on there that Puffy was probably going to even keep the use to do anything else with. Right. I like from like after he originally made the band and broke it up and said, y'all whack and redid everything. It's like, you clearly knew who that was. The other three, they probably have careers, songwriting or producing or background singing or something. Day 26, it was going to fall apart from, from jump. I just knew it. I don't know. It's the only way you make it pop right now, you make it a TV show. Yeah. And see, and that's a sad thing. And, and that's a whole other thing too. And I, I could get in this whole thing about how radio is really jacked up a lot of shit, but it's like, you're not allowed to have R and B groups and you have to automatically cross over in order to have appeal. You need to do what, M- what NWA said back in the day, let them cross over to you. It used to be the way the system worked, especially with, with the R and B markets. It used to be label would say, you know what? We want to build you up slow. We want to build you up slow so you can get used to the quote unquote fame. We don't we you know we're not saying that you have to sell a million copies your first album, but we're hoping that you can at least sell two hundred and fifty thousand to five hundred thousand your first you album. You go gold. You can go gold, you're doing all right. Gold was the high point back in the day. Going oh, yeah. gold was a success. Yes. Oh, that was a big deal. That was that was big business back then. But see now because there are so many middle middlemen and middle women within the industry, especially when once artists learn how to make money, they're like, oh, you know, these cats are making money. We need to get some of this paper, too. So more and more positions were created, you know, with within the within the foundation of the music industry to take money away. We got so many middlemen. So now it's to the point now where if an album doesn't go platinum, you know, within the first few months, it's a flop because all this money's been spent. And what do you have to show for it? Nothing. Producers have taken over really now in music. Oh, yeah, it's the producer era. I mean, really, you could say the producer era has been all the way back, starting with uh, "Walk This Way." Oh, it's when it re- 
when it really started. Yeah, with Rick. And then, I mean, hell, uh, your boy, your girl, Janet. Well, we're jamming, and then, we're jamming Lewis, yeah. Yeah, and then uh, basically yeah. every little white bread pop chicky from uh, starting at about 99. It's, it started, it's, to me, it started around 99, It started when Timbaland exploded and when the Neptunes exploded. Like, like, Timbaland was first, then the Neptunes like, exploded. And the Neptunes had more overall success because they were able to cross more genres. Like, the Neptunes could get me to listen to a Britney Spears song. The Neptunes could get me to listen to a Freddie Country song. The Neptunes, the Neptunes could do so many different things and jump so many different like genres that will get you to listen to everything. Timberland could just make great, great dance tracks, even with. When you know it, when you got Christina Aguilera got a freaking primo track, yeah. that's crazy. That's real crazy. It's a hit, and it's like a big hit. That that one where she was like, uh, it was like a she was like just like a forties girl or whatever. Yeah, um, I think it's called Ain't No Other Man. Oh my god! I was like, I was like, what? This what? And then I was like, Primo, what the hell is? I was like, Primo got to eat. Yeah. And, Primo doing a good job and you know like well, damn it's like I can't you know you, you can't be mad no and, and I'm not mad because I'm like hey I like the song I actually like the album he produced a lot of tracks on that joint yeah yeah man she 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 went in you, you know but you know that's I think that's what happened that's like the modern the modern super producer era you know it went all over all like quote unquote urban, urban music mm-hmm. R&B soul hip hop pop just went over everything then, you know you got Kanye when he blew up he's making tracks for everybody Puffy just Blaze Puffy's always coming back around he goes in he goes out because let's be real he did create the remix yes he did it was remixes before but it was no what we know as a remix until like 90s it was like damn that new Mariah Carey is like tight forget forget the regular version what's up that that bad boy remix like oh yeah he gonna he gonna loop that Diana Ross track right there that's what's up (laughs) Well, he did more poppy stuff than uh, Dre did. Dre just did what it, Dre just said basically. Uh, Hi, I'm going to steal everything you made, uh, George Clinton, and use it. Whereas Puffy would go and steal a hundred different artists. But see, but later on, no. I mean, even though Dre, you know, base, you know, had a strong base in P Funk. After that stuff was over with, you haven't heard any of that stuff since. I mean, because when Dre goes away, he goes away, and he comes back with a different sound. Every you know when mm-hmm. he comes when he comes back around and wait a minute wasn't Detox supposed to come out three years ago? Detox yeah, was supposed yeah. to come out like six to seven years ago. Detox is never gonna come out. I heard my man DJ Quick just said on camera was like, "Yeah, I've been over the house. He made Detox five times already. See, he scraps it. Dre like, is a perfectionist, man. He learned how to play piano from Bob Backerack, son. What <laughs> Backerack?" That's bananas. Whatever it does drop, it's going to be crazy. Oh, it's- I know, I, I know. I remember, I remember uh, the, t- the Super Bowl in two thousand and two thousand and nine. There was a Dr Pepper commercial. He stepped in with, with some Dr Pepper, put it on the turntable because he moved his whack DJ to the side and started playing so- like a beat from the Detox album. It was so tough. It was like, oh. ain't heard nothing about it. Nothing. Go back in the lab. Go back in the lab. I don't know, man. I don't know. You know, I think another key moment in the modern era of this music is T Pain. Fuck T Pain. Oh boy. Yeah. I'm on a boat. I'm on a boat. A lot of motherfucking boat. Sorry. But yo, 
I remember when I first heard his first song, then he came out that I'm in love with a stripper. I was like, all right, you know, this is all right. But then something happened. 2007 happened, January. He came out with one song. Then I'm telling you, every song between January 2007 and like February 2009, he had one ridiculously hot song on the radio. Or he was on somebody uh, somebody else's joint. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. his song now to me. It's like, and then you put him and Lil Wayne together, and it was just like, oh, that's an easy hit. The thing what I think what makes T-Pain work and what other people try to copy is, see, he can make a really good hook. Since he produces his own tracks, it's like he'll write a song, he'll make it a great hook, and he'll work with that auto-tune to make it sound the right way. He calls himself the rapper turned singer. He's really just a producer. That's he's it's it's smart. It's just like if you he's like a person creating a, a thing. So he may help spawn all this crazy silliness, but I don't, I can't blame it on him because it's like I didn't like me enough T Pain songs. You in the club, you outside at a party, you at a cookout, and you hear let's say bartender and it's on. I don't care where you at. It's only that's a good song. Yeah. But then you hear Ray J. Oh, mm. oh, Brandy's little brother come out with a freaking auto tune song. You'll hear freaking everybody come out. Like who is like everybody comes out with auto tune songs, and now yeah. they're and they suck. Yeah, bad like, writing, bad melodies, bad song structure. It's just it doesn't have it. You know what I'm saying? Like Kanye, he did it. I personally think he sucks on it because he can't sing at all. Exactly. But what he's saying is good, and his overall his production of the of the music, the beats are good, so it kind of helps it. It's not his best album. It's like a C plus album. But hey, he tried it. You know, that's some balls. But now it's getting too far. Yeah, it's going too far. Too yeah. much. T.I. and Wayne got me to listen to rap again for the first time in about three or four years. And at the same time, they've also turned me off to a lot of different rap because I really won't listen to a lot of... Because I really got turned off to hip-hop about seven years ago, and I haven't listened to much. Except for really T.I. and Wayne at the same time, they annoy the hell out of me at the same... But I will listen to it from yeah. them. They're about it. There are a lot of a lot of hip hop cats I still listen to. I mean, a lot of them are the, are the ones that laid the foundation down in the late '80s and early '90s. Yeah. You know, I still listen to those cats. And as far as cats that still put out stuff today, like you know your Jay Z, you know Jay Z or Nas and stuff like that, I'm cool with that. And there are a few new artists too. But that's the whole thing. It's if you listen to just radio, you will seldom hear that song that that will just make you like turn your head and look at the radio. Like, who in the world is that? Because you just keep getting the same thing after the same thing after the same thing over and over again. And it's just got, it just got old real fast. You're not hearing Jay Electronica on the radio. Oh, you won't hear Jay Electronica on the radio. And that's well, the 97, they'll actually play them. See, high 97. See, uh, you, know, our, our, um, our, you know, our franchise hot stations, because we got a couple of hot stations down here, too. No, it's it's not coming anywhere close. You, know, yeah. you, you won't find that here. You will not find that here. There is no like independent local channel. It's all corporate owned, and it's all terrible. It's homogenized. They probably the only reason they would play something like Kid Cudi is because Dead Night got so damn big, and they had to play it. Oh yeah, and and that's and that's on the Billboard. Yeah, it's Kid, like it got Kid, that big. Yeah, Kid Cudi made the Billboard. So 
They ain't playing nothing else from his album, I bet. Oh, no. No, no, no. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. So, it, it just, it, it irritates me. It, it really does. I mean, look, you want, and see, that's that's my whole beef with auto-tune. I don't mind T-Pain uses it. I'm not a big T-Pain fan. There's some stuff I'm like, okay, that is a cool hook, and I agree with you on that. But I don't need to hear cats sounding like Soundwave, like Gemini, Jason Derulo, you know, <laughs> <laughs> that's how bad they are i don't even know when they video come on uh-huh. turn the channel or better yet perfect example look rappers singing on hooks how many of these rappers singing on hooks with, with auto-tune i'm tired of it and look i know people love drake i know i understand some of them songs are tight but i'm sick of these drake songs with him singing on the hook and then you and you can hear the auto-tune I'm yeah. like, you know what? Why don't you go give Nate Dogg some money? He ain't sang on a hook in five years. He's sick, sing though. He's sick, though. That's why they can't do it. He had that stroke. What? He, been, he had that stroke a couple years back. He ain't even right since. He's still hurt up. Mm. That's why we ain't heard no scene. I was gonna say there's also in i mean what we were talking about r&b i mean there's two things i hate that american idol has really caused and i blame christina aguilera and i blame whitney for that isn't that is the rise of the power note oh yes and if well, i see I leave her don't leave more i carry out she got that yeah, too but you know what the other thing is if you ever watch always watch the girls especially if you ever notice how they just do their hands twiddling them while they're holding the mic especially when they're doing a power note that annoys the piss out of me. <laughs> <laughs> and what no, other thing? I can't stomach American Idol, so I don't even know. Last time I saw it, Ruben Studdard won. Yeah. Okay. And this is one thing that my wife <laughs> immediately turned off, and I turned two other friends of mine off because they were like, man, I, back when I was a, that old fucker, uh, who was it? Uh, uh, against Catherine McPhee, Taylor Hicks versus Catherine McPhee. And they're like, man, I love Catherine. They're like, I love McPhee. I'm like, really? Did you notice the fact that she smiles her ass off in every song, including the songs that are supposed to be sad? They're like, oh, shit. She has no emotion in that. Yeah. When she sang Who Wants to Live Forever and she smiled like a goddamn pageant winner, I just wanted to go, you're talking, no, no. One of Freddie's greatest songs ever. You don't sing "Who Wants to Live Forever" with the smile that look that you that looks like you're on the middle of a freaking pageant stage. No, and everybody on that show and uh, just all the time, it's like people don't put emotion into their songs anymore. We we call that where I'm from the Leona Lewis factor, where yes. you, you're where you're so talented, you basically become a robot. And you have no emotion. You have no emotion whatsoever. It's all a drill. I can't say that, but Leona, her husband died about a year and a half ago. So wasn't oh. it, wasn't it her whose husband? Oh, that's that's Carlene Bailey Ray. Ah, uh, Carlene Bailey Ray. Okay, okay. wrong, wrong, wrong random British singer. No, because yeah. like Leona Lewis has a hell of a voice. You know, I, she's, I, from, she's from X Factor, another Simon show. Really? Yeah, the British one. Hmm. Better known as Hey, look, it's uh, American Idol with groups and old people. You know, he plans to bring that to Fox. Yeah, it's going to be on Fox next year. Uh, Simon's leaving it after uh, uh, leaving Idol after this season's done. Yeah, it's going to be the fall show next year. They're going to be that way. They don't have to produce another. So you think you can dance? But see, that only needed to be a spring show, though. I don't know what no, they, they think about making that a fall show. So you think you dance? Can dance? Yeah. Oh, no, this is, that's their summer show. That's that's, that's, that's what that's what I mean. Yeah. yeah. Best dance crew. Yes, America's I'll, best I'll, dance crew is the jump off. Yeah. 
Oh, oh that, that's hot. I admit. That's how I, I mean. That's how I learned who the uh, Jabberwockies were, and I still and I love the Jabberwockies. Dance ninjas. <laughs> I was a robot. If I was one of robot, if I was rich, they would be like my personal dance ninjas. <laughs> that would be awesome. If them in a comic book or a cartoon, it's like, what? It's the Jabberwockies. <laughs> right? They're gonna dance and they're gonna whoop that ass. Like, oh snap! Look at him. <laughs> a friend of mine actually got me to watch, sit down and watch the Blue Man Group perform and i and i'm like okay i get it finally with the blue man group I finally get it oh, they do like some ill performing with the, all the crazy stuff i don't know i never like seen it i just know they do some weird stuff and they're blue they look like ninjas too i'll use them as the ninjas yeah they more crazy ninjas we all need more ninjas in our life the world is better with ninjas that's why naruto is so hot <laughs> uh, speaking of ninjas there is a and I'm not talking about Norton's dog. There's a you remember, you know those like pulse blenders that they sell all the time where you like push yes. down on it and they chop. Yeah. There's yeah. one out now called the Ninja, and it has Ninja sharp blades in their ads. <laughs> somebody this morning somebody had I uh, was working out on the elliptical and somebody had the uh, one of the TVs turned to that and I was like, okay, I'm on the elliptical. I'm lazy. I don't want to get off and turn this. And it's just like watching. It's like Ninja sharp blades. It's like. Oh man, you're cracking me up. Mm-hmm. Only ours can do snow, not just chopped ice, chopped up ice, snow. Oh snap. You can do snow. I just was like, what? <laughs> snow. What? That's so dope. I'll make some snow. I do that. Oh yeah. It's like I'm in the middle of listening to Julian's voice on CGS, staring at this thing, talking about ninjas, going, What the fuck? I need to turn to Sal because otherwise I'm gonna I need to stop this with Julian and turn to Sal because otherwise I'll just fall right off the uh, elliptical. <laughs> yeah, I have a weird I have a thing, I have a thing with ninjas and I have a problem with Daredevil. Daredevil so slow, he's not doing no ninja shit. That's my main issue. He's not doing nothing ninja like I read ninja comic books. I wanna see some hot shit. Oh, yeah. All them creators need to go read like at least ten volumes of manga about some ninjas. It's ninja. Two- yeah, it's a uh, ninjakitchen dot com. Ninja Kitchen. It, what? It's uh buy one get one free for thir- for sixty dollars or three payments of twenty dollars. They've got an uh, their logo is basically a guy in the standard ninja about to fight you phase with two swords and it says rule the kitchen. <laughs> yeah, I, I see. <laughs> Go to Ninja. It's ninjakitchen.com. I swear to God, you're going to laugh your ass off looking at this. Do y'all watch Superman, Batman, Public Enemy? I've yes. got it. I haven't watched it yet. Though. Oh, I loved it, boy. I love that That shit. is. I thought they did a damn good job with that, taking everything they could, but sh- but leaving out the little bits that were basically Infinite Crisis set up. They did a damn good. J- that was a yeah. that was damn good because yeah. I mean, there's stuff that they could have put in, but it's like all super. It was all set up for uh, Infinite Crisis. They left out. Yeah, I kind of want them to. I want to do the other one. I want to do the little thing with the fake Ultimates. Yeah. I just want to see Kryptonite Batman animated. That shit was fun. <laughs> I like the one. Where, I like the one they did where they had the the not. I don't. I don't think it was the next arc. I think it was like the third arc when they did the of uh, Superman, Batman with lightning with where they yeah. with Lightning Lord and all that. When they yeah, when they, uh, when they went bad, yeah. yeah. And that was like good because Batman and Superman were cold killers in that. Yeah, when he broke one of his neck, I was like, "Damn, son!" It's like that. Dang. Uh, it was good though. I like that. That was my that was my jump. That was yeah. my book. 
Yeah, I think the thing that really made Batman public enemies was the fact they brought back Daly and Conroy. Oh, yeah. And, and, and like, you know, I, I think some people, I know there are some people that complain that the voices didn't fit with the animation. I'm like, it doesn't matter to me. You bring me those voices, I'm going to watch it. Yeah. I, yeah, I liked it. It was just fun. It was just, it worked for me. It's just like, you know, I have no problem with the voices as long as they're decent actors. Mm-hmm. So, like, every cartoon Batman doesn't have to be Kevin Conroy because now Kevin Conroy was that one specific style of Batman for so long that maybe he shouldn't be every animated Batman because he kind of is like one universe's Batman. I like that the Batman is like a younger Batman. He has a different voice. I like that yeah. the old Batman sounds like essentially Super Dad. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah. I'm just super dad. I want to see that Batman team up with Kevin Conway Batman. I think they'll have an interesting conversation. Yeah, because <laughs> you could honestly, I hate to say this, you could honestly say that that Batman. Uh, the one with Dietrich Bader could be the Kevin Conroy Batman in about three, four years down the line. I love, I love Brave and the Bold. Yeah, it's on show. on demand. They only got four issues. Uh, yeah, that comic is tight too. My son loves that comic in Tiny Titans. Man, does does Aquaman punch people in the in the comic like he does in the cartoon? <laughs> yeah, he's even stupider in the cart in the comic book than he is in the cartoon. Hey, no, See, I that's just... the thing. He's not really stupid in the cartoon. He's just Funny. He's just heroic. He's like the classic heroic television hero. It's like classic Hercules. I, I watched the uh, Aquaman Family Vacation episode. Oh God, I, you know, I screen capped all the title cards. I have one on my computer. The title cards, first off, had me rolling from the jump. They had, <laughs> me, roll, they had me rolling. And Aquaman, see, because like, I've seen a couple Aquaman episodes, and I'm like, okay, this is cool. This is, this is cool. No, that episode officially sold me on Aquaman, period. No, no. Winnebago, the Aquaman family Winnebago. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, just the description's gonna make me lose it. Yo, man. Yo, they got he's the family and the sports fans that had to drive his family on a vacation so they didn't get to fight. It was kind of sad. <laughs> yeah. Yo, it was so bananas. And yo, the penguin, the penguin was quacking like it was the old TV show. I was like, oh man, this is like it was so beyond awesome. Yes. And and the villain that Blue Beetle had to fight, I, they pulled him out of nowhere. I was like, oh, I haven't seen this dude in a minute. They pulled mad old things out like, you know, we're going to use this dude who don't get no shine today. We're going to pull him out. I love the cartoon, man. And that concludes this week's PKD Black Box. The PKD Black Box is available via iTunes, or you can go to pkdmedia.com to get our show, check out our forum, and read comics like Mercury and the Murd, XO one on the Rock Solid Steelbots, Agents of Colt, and Luke Foster's The Gang from the Store, six days a week for free. And if you're on iTunes or our forum board, drop us a line or email us at blackbox at pkdmedia.com. Thanks again for listening. Until then, dream big and hustle hard.